Welcome and thanks for joining us for this week's encouraging and faith-building message from C3 Topol. For more information about C3 Topol, visit our website c3churchtopol.org.nz. Now for this week's message. How great um, is Patsy? Oh, he's just walking out, you know. So uh, yeah, send him off with a round. No, he's, he's coming back. And I'm um, so great to have Patsy and Amanda right here sitting on the front. Now, Amanda Percy, well, Amanda Ty is, uh, is the fourth sibling in the Percy, you know, package, uh, the baby. So uh, she will authenticate or not anything that I say today. She is like the honesty in a person. Uh, she will not lie and she will not cover for me. So uh, <laughs> so if you want to know, is the pastor preaching, you know, what, what he's saying, is that that actually happened, just ask her. And um, she'll be, take great pleasure in telling you if it didn't. And uh, But it is so great having Amanda and Patty here. And they're four girls, Lisa, Emma, Evie, and Esme, six down to one. Just smashed that all out in six years. God bless them, but uh, we love you guys. And now part of Equippers Church in Porirua. I've been part of Equippers Church Wellington, been in Equippers Church in Auckland, and are just tireless and faithful servants um, of God's kingdom. And we're so grateful. How great was that singing and worship leading this morning? Um, and I, I prayed this over Kim, but it's the same for you guys. Gifting is given, but anointing is purchased. And the anointing is purchased when we keep giving God back the gift that he gave us. And I just see it so clearly. I saw it while I was just being led in worship um, by you, Patti. But it's not, you guys are a, a definitely a package deal. It's not one or the other. But I just see that constant giving over of the gift that God has given you. And what he's just, he just keeps giving you back anointing because it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. Gifting doesn't break the, break the yoke. Gifting impresses people. Anointing wrecks people in all the right ways. Anointing releases people, frees people, heals people, you know, makes a way for people to find Jesus Christ. And I just honor that on your life. And I see it. And um, so grateful that we're family in Jesus' name. All right, so we are at the beginning of October Fest, and I got a few, a little bit to preach. But uh, thanks to the massive serving team this morning, you guys are amazing. There's high-vis vests all up and down the street, finding parks and welcoming guys. Come back tonight. Patti and Amanda are staying, you know, for this evening service, and it's going to be another kind of really worship focused service tonight and the All Blacks are playing Namibia but we know they'll beat them and you know you can play it after church as well so uh so just turn up to church go home put the kids to bed and then watch the rugby in peace and quiet like you just know it's going to be better either way so I uh, get to church get anointed get fired up for the week go home watch the All Blacks thrash a South African team that's always a pleasure or an, and uh and uh you know Netflix will wait the TV will wait the footy will wait you know, Jesus is great, but we should be waiting for him in his presence and his anointing and his family and his church. And, and Oktoberfest is about us as a people banding together as an army, really getting filled up and powered by 
you know, our invited guests and preachers, because um, we're all in the setup and God's setting you up, but he uses his Holy Spirit. It's like the, the power inside that vehicle to get you to where you need to be. So don't miss tonight. Uh, it's going to be super rad. But um, I'm not sure about you, but I just want to give you a few scenarios that I've experienced in my life. And then we're going to look at a great passage of Scripture out of John chapter 4 this morning. The woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, which many of you will be uh, very familiar with. But, uh, you know, there's this kind of scenarios that I've encountered in my life and and you may have encountered in your life where you meet someone maybe it was your wife to be maybe it's a girlfriend or a boyfriend maybe it's just a new person that you're like hey this person's kind of cool I could consider adding them to be the third person of my two-person friend group you know you kind of you thank you Renee um But you, you, you meet each other on, on a, a, a certain depth, a certain intimacy level. It's, it's reasonably shallow at start. And you, you get to a point in, in any relationship, particularly when you're considering the, this other person that is maybe like a lifetime mate, like you want to win the girl but you want to win it honestly, but you know sooner or later you're going to have to reveal the true nature of who you are, you know? So there's this, and there can be this, this awkward moment like, do I, do I tell this person? Like, for example, when I was young, when I was at primary school, I don't know why, but I liked tinned asparagus. Rolled up in white bread, butter, a bit of asparagus. Yeah, it's like the Kiwi staple. If you haven't had some, get some on the way home. I just liked it. I don't know how, I don't know why, I just did. But I remember getting given such a hard time at school when my friends found out that I was like the kid that liked asparagus. It was like, it, 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 it shifted friendships. It shouldn't have, but it did, like the humble asparagus. It, and we, we can get into these places in life where we, we can guard ourselves out of the fear, well, if I reveal myself, I may be rejected. Because so many of us, and I've faced it, I'm just speaking from my own, just flesh and blood like you are. I'm speaking from my own life story that you get knocked back, you get rejected, you get shunned, you get isolated, you get stereotyped, you get boxed, you get made a, a fun of, and, and it withdraws us and it shrinks our life to this point where I'm, I don't want to share anything about who I am or be vulnerable or be real because last time I did, it hurt. Or last time it did, I lost a friend. Or I, I lost, the last time I did, I got, I got boxed as this person. And yes, that may be a tiny piece of my life, but now the entirety of who I am seems to be lumped with I'm depressed or I'm angry or I messed up one time. And now my life gets lumped into this, this box that I can't get out of. And going through life, we can... We can take some of these blows and it shrinks us down. But God's here to blow us up. He's here to blow you up this morning by the power of His Holy Spirit to breathe life back into those places that for one reason or another, they have shrunk. 
like when it's like we're a balloon and every we're inflated, but every time we get insulted, every time we get let down, every time we get made fun of or disappointed, a little bit of air gets let out of that balloon until it's just you know that lifeless little bit of rubber. But God wants to breathe by His Spirit back into you, bigness on the inside. I used to when I was at college. I got my first car, and it was a bright yellow Vauxhall Chevette, like it was a car, but that's pretty much all it was. Like it just met the benchmark of being a, being a car. It was old, it was four-speed, it leaked oil, it blew smoke, and it was bright yellow, when bright yellow wasn't actually really very cool for a car. And I'd, I'd park my, I'd drive it to school, but I'd park it, I lived and grew up in Whangarei, and I'd park it away from school by the Carmo Road Shell Service Station because bright yellow matched in perfectly with the colors of the Shell Service Station, yellow and red. And people would ask me, do you, do you have a car? And I'd be like, yeah, it's, I've got a car. What kind of car? It's a yellow one. Like, because I didn't want to kind of, other guys had like, Back then, like a Honda Civic was really awesome. They'd, other guys had rad cars, and I eventually graduated to having a good car. But the first one, it was just like, and I part in me, part this part in me retracted out of the fear of what people may think when they when I told them what I had, what I was about, what I was into. I'm sharing you this message this morning because God wants to set you free from living under this cloud of what other people think to living under the glorious sunshine of what He actually thinks. Because the psalmist said, God, how numerous are your thoughts towards me. Surely if I were to count them, they would outnumber the sand on the, the shores. So what that tells me is God is thinking a lot about me and a lot about you all the time. And God only thinks good thoughts. There's nothing in God that is evil. So every thought that God has towards you and I is a good thought. And the amount of the thoughts that He has about us outnumber the sand on the, on the beach. Not just one beach. Every beach on the entire planet Gather all their sand up. That is how much God has in store and is thinking about you. And we need to shift ourselves out from under the cloud of what the world thinks, what our peers think, what we think of ourselves, and allow ourselves to be basked in the glorious, redemptive thoughts that Jesus Christ has for us. Because He has many thoughts about you. He has many things to say about you. Sometimes we get fixed on the one, two, three, or four or five things that have been said against us that they nullify everything that God has said that is for us. For God is for you and not against you. Jesus was walking on a journey with His disciples. He was going through a city that He wouldn't normally go through, but Jesus had to go that way. The Bible says in John 4, Jesus had to go through Samaria. A rabbi, a, a Jewish leader, a somebody of standing in religious circles, this is who Jesus was, would normally do all that He could to pass by a place like Samaria. Any Jewish person, 
who had, you know, pride in their race and in their traditions. When they were traveling, they would go across the Jordan, out of Sumerian territory, up the other side, back. They would do all that they can to avoid this half-tribe nation called Samaria. Yet here we find Jesus in John 4 just blazing straight on through. He's like said to his disciples, Peter, it's your lucky day. We're taking the shortcut. You're now crossing the Jordan. We're going straight through Samaria. So he's going through there and uh, and he stops at this well in the middle of the day. The Bible says it's about noon, so about the middle of the day. He didn't have on his G-Shock watch. He was just guessing. It was hot and the sun was high. It was the middle of the day. And his disciples are hungry, so they leave Jesus. They're like, we're going to BP and get a pie. And Jesus said, don't have the pie. <laughs> and if you do, make sure it's butter chicken. So Jesus is left at this well, and this woman approaches him, all single, one lady. She's walking out. People wouldn't traditionally go to the well in the middle of the day. It was too hot. This is the Middle Eastern sun we're talking about. Here she is walking out with her jars of water out to this well, and Jesus just hanging out by this well. He's got nothing to draw water from, but he's, he's setting her up for miracle, for freedom. And this is a woman that travels alone because she's got no one left to travel with. She's an outcast of society. She's lived a certain type of lifestyle that is frowned upon by her peers. And here she is, left isolated, left alone, wandering out to the well and to get something to drink. And, and Jesus says to her, he says, hey, um, can you give me a drink? And she's like, how can you ask me for a drink? Because... Here's this rabbi, this, this man, this representative of God, you could say, is who Jesus is. Yes, he is the son of God, but before you realize he's the son of God, he's a rabbi, he's a teacher, he's someone who represents who God is, is waiting at this well in the wilderness. And she turns up and he, she says, or he says, hey, can, um, can you draw me some water? And she's like, how can you ask me to draw you water? Like, we shouldn't be talking. We shouldn't be here together. We shouldn't be. There's so many things wrong about this equation. And sometimes when Jesus walks into our life, it can be a little bit, Jesus, what are you doing here? But he's all right with it. I've had Jesus walk into some messes in my life. And I'm like, Jesus, what are you doing here? He's like, I'm just here. And I'm unafraid. And it's no drama. I've been through some stuff where I just thought this is, this is going to be the greatest untangling of my life. But it was the greatest rewinding of my life because Jesus walked in. And that thing that I thought was going to eat me up, was going to wreck me, was going to destroy me, that I was ashamed to talk about, Jesus just steps on in. And he's like, it's no drama. Jesus just steps into this world, this woman's story, and like he's doing to you this morning. He's just stepping into your story this morning. And he says, can you draw me some water? And she's like, no, I can't. And he's like, if you knew who it was who was talking to you, you'd be asking me for water. And the water that I give you to drink would well up to a spring of life inside of you. And she's like, 
how can I get this water from you so I don't have to keep coming back to this well to draw water? You see, she was thirsty on the inside, and it wasn't for, it wasn't for another glass of H2O, but she was thirsty on the inside to be filled with, a, filled with the goodness, filled with an acceptance, filled with a sense of belonging and identity that she had been trying to find in all the wrong places. And now Jesus walks into her life, and he says, the thing that you are looking for is me what you were thirsting for that thing that you've tried to fill with one marriage two marriages three marriages four marriages five marriages and now man number six everything that you've been trying to find in all those relationships and all those wells and all those other places you are going to find in a relationship with me Jesus she says give me this water I don't know what well you're drinking from this morning Maybe it's the well of despair, the well of disappointment, the well of success, the well of pride, the, the well of career. But every time the cup is empty, every time you've had your fill from that cup, you're still left with a longing and a desire for something more. It is found in Jesus Christ. He stood up on a great day, the last day of the feast, and said, whoever is thirsty, let them come to me and drink, and from them will begin to flow, or from their innermost being will flow rivers of living water so Jesus turns up in this woman's life and he says to her he brings a word of knowledge he says she, he says go call your husband and she says you know oh, I don't have a husband he says yeah you're right the guy you're living with isn't your husband because the first five you've already left and she's just like gobsmacked how do you know this no, this is what I want to tell you this morning Jesus redeems everything what she was ashamed of, she began to brag about. The thing that had kept her isolated, the thing that had kept her distant, the thing that had removed her from society, from friend groups, from coffee groups, from connect groups, from the church, from whatever it was, that Jesus brings it into the light and he just stands there. It's all good. The representative of God and so many people have had God represented to them poorly. You've told someone something in confidence and they've broken it. You've told someone in trust and in vulnerability something and you've received judgment and more wounding. But Jesus Christ, it says in Hebrews 1.3, he is the exact representation of the Father. He is exactly what God is like. And we see in the scripture this morning exactly what God is like. Here's this woman approaching God's representative, getting her dirty laundry aired. And Jesus, it's no drama. It's no judgment. The only thing that follows is freedom. What commences from Jesus entering this woman's life at her well at her place where she drinks from, her place where she finds life. What happens is not rejection, not guilt, not shame, but freedom flows from an encounter with Jesus Christ. It's, she, he says this to her. She's like, you're that guy. You are the Messiah. Her mind is blown. She's like, you are the Messiah. She's, he's like, it is as you say. She turns around. She runs back to town. She runs back to Samaria 
bragging that this guy has just told her everything she's ever done. He's just aired her dirty laundry and she is bragging about it to her friend. She's bragging about it in the coffee shop. She's bragging about it, you know, in church, in her social group. She's bragging about Jesus Christ, revealing her stuff, speaking into her life because when Jesus turns up, it is freedom that flows from us and that thing that kept her bound, that kept her captive, that kept her withdrawn from life life, when Jesus turns up in her life, freedom is the result from an encounter with Jesus Christ. She, she's like, you've got to come and meet this guy who told me everything I ever did. You've got to come and meet him. And they're like, isn't that a bad thing? She's like, no, it's the best thing that could ever happen. When you meet this guy, there's no shame, there's no judgment. There's redemption and salvation and healing and wholeness. There's love in His eyes. There's peace in His spirit. There's steadfastness in His voice. There is redemption in all that He does. He turned my mess into a message, my trial into a testimony. He turned my weakness into a strength. He turned my shame. You know what He did? He gave me beauty for ashes. He gave me the oil of joy for mourning. He gave me the garment of praise instead of despair. He bestowed upon me the eternal year of the Lord's favor. He turned my life around. That which I was ashamed of, that which kept me removed, that which had wounded me. When Jesus Christ collided with my life, freedom flowed. And He wants to do it for you. Wherever you're at this morning, He's coming for you. Whatever well you're standing at, whatever place you're drinking from, Jesus Christ is turning up right in that pickle this morning. Totally unafraid. Unashamed. Just standing there. The Prince of Peace. The King of Kings. The Lord of Lords. Right in the midst of it. And freedom is coming to your life. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Have a blessed week.